You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On the fake, Rodgers lets it fly, has Watson, he's got it on his feet and he's in for the touchdown! That might be the biggest catch of this young receiver's career from Christian Watson. You can see him, it's just press man. They talk about his speed, his ability to get behind the defense. It's just a matter of can he catch it. That's a great job tracking the ball. He just took a big sigh of relief. Look at his buddies greeting him on the sideline, man. That's got to feel good. What's up? New year, new me, right? I know you guys are already tired of hearing that, but we've got a new intro for the show. Probably have a couple more drop as well. Uh, Man, it's so fun reliving that uh, really the catch that turned the season around for Christian Watson, just a – uh, a monster of a play, um, you know, guy showing inside technique, you know, inside leverage, and Watson giving a little jab step out to get inside, and then Rodgers just dropping a seed on the outside shoulder, bending it back to the sideline. <clears throat> Dude was hanging off of Watson, crawling. I, I call it swimming. He was swimming in the in the grass there as Watson crossed the end zone. But, uh, man, what a year. It was really fun to watch Christian Watson kind of coming to his own this year. And and I think we haven't even begun to scratch the surface there. But uh, welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access <clears throat> at gmail.com. So we've got a lot to cover. Let's just jump right into it. First and foremost, um, Brian Gudikins had a press conference yesterday, and um, I listened to about 90% of it. Um, man, I got to be real. I was very surprised at how many people were like taken back by his comments. <laughs> it's everything that we've talked about all year long. <clears throat> people have drummed up in their minds that Rodgers is either going to be cut or traded. And <clears throat> when you look at the when you look at the structure of the contract, and like Brian mentioned, they made a huge commitment to Aaron. Um, there's just, I mean. Like like Rogers said, you never want to say never, but Rogers also kind of uh, ended that quote, that comment in his presser with, you know, if I don't say that, then I'm egotistical, right, is essentially what he was saying, which is just him being two, three steps ahead, you know, because it, the second that he said it, when they asked him, do you think the team wants you back? Do you think it's mutual, I think was the exact question. If he had said, oh, no, it's my decision, oh, my God. <laughs> 
Could you imagine what would happen on Twitter? See, he just assumes that he he deserves the job and he's so entitled and blah, 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 blah. So instead, he answers the question and says, um, yeah, I mean, it has to be mutual, right? Um, of course, if, you know, if if I think otherwise, it's pretty egotistical, right? Like, yeah, they. he said, you never want to say never, right? But when they came to the negotiating table, and again, the Packers begged him back, LaFleur begged him back, uh, Gudikins begged him back. Gudikins let him in the front office and, he'll, and, and said, hey, look, you know, we'll start including you in on some of this stuff. Um, of course, with the way the salary cap is and the dates, the deadlines that were hitting, in my opinion, there's there's really two ways of looking at it. Man, this is not in the notes, but here we are. <laughs> so we're going to talk about it. Uh, the, the thing that I put the most stock in when following a team and and not covering a team, I never, I never want to come across like I'm covering the Packers. I already shared my screen ready to play this presser, and here I am on a different topic. Um I never want to come across like I cover the team. Okay. I'm not a, I'm not a media member. I am a Packers fan through and through that's doing a podcast trying to dig a little deeper than some podcasts do as far as the X's and O's, understanding what's happening on the field and then also what's happening in the front office. Right. Um, so when you start to dive into that stuff and everything that that kind of happened. I put a lot of stock in former players' um, opinions. That's just me. That may not be you. You may, you may choose to go a different route. Anyone who has been around the game at any level, too, you know, there are some people um, that that don't put as much stock into players, you know, uh, opinions that haven't been in the league or haven't, you know, maybe just had a cup of coffee in the league or whatever. I can respect that stance. I got it. You know, I know several people like that, and I'm not going to mention names. I don't want to, you know, bring that to light and and come across like, oh, look, this is what they think. Because just because I believe something doesn't mean it's right, you know, and and always trying to grow and change. But, you know, I put a lot of stock. If, if someone's played one snap in the league, they've got more experience than me. They understand more about football than me, period. Case closed, man. That's just the way I'm always going to look at things. <clears throat> if I have done something more than someone else, then I'm not going to hang that over their head, And nor have I really seen anybody hang that over any fans' heads, you know, other than podcasters who have never played a snap in the league. But that's a story for a different day. Um but if I have done something, then I'm going to kind of approach it a little bit different. Like, well, you know, here's been my experience. Not, <laughs> you don't know. Look at what I let, – let me exp- sit down. Let me teach you something. But with all that being said, I'm always going to look at everything that we talk about on this show <clears throat> from the perspective of do I have exp- personal experience in it, right? That's what's going to craft how confident I am in my opinion. And and I've never want to get on the cocky side of things, and and I do have a temper that that will happen from time to time that I may fly off the handle a little bit when I especially when I feel like people are being dishonest just to fit their narrative. That's the stuff that bothers me the most. It's like here are the stats, here are the facts, lay them out there. Now do with it what you want. But when you come back and you try to convince me that something is totally different than what's the tape showing what the PFF grades are showing, what the statistics are showing, and you want to find one little nugget to fit your narrative, that's that's when we part ways. Now, I'm not going to argue. Not. I'm just going to mute you and move move on with my life, right? Um, but Mike Wall, 
dropping some nuggets on Twitter. If you guys aren't following him, go follow him. And I don't know how this dude doesn't have 100,000 followers because I see people that cover the Packers that have over, you know, tens, tens of thousands of followers, and they've never played a snap in the league, and all they do is create controversy. I guess that's that's the secret, but um, I'm not going to go that route. Um, Mike Wall, I trust. Kurt Warner, I trust, right? And we're going to talk a little bit about that stuff here in a minute. Um, you know, Michael Lombardi. Michael Lombardi, you know, a lot of people immediately go, oh, look at this. Yeah, he, he's, he sucked as a GM. Yeah, he did suck as a general manager. He worked under Bill Walsh and Al Davis. Al Davis, Bill Walsh, Bill Belichick, on and on and on. This guy's been in front offices his entire life. And now he's in the sports media. I trust his opinion, you know. Um, another one is, uh, gosh, what's his name? I'm trying to think. He went to be general manager in, in uh, Kansas City. Um, Scott Pioli. Love Scott Pioli. Been in football his entire adult life. <clears throat> Been around it since he was a kid, much like Belichick. Uh, these are the guys that I trust because <clears throat> they've been there and done that. They've been there and done that. And uh, that's where I'm going to put the most weight in the comments I make. You know, Michael Lombardi makes me more angry than any other sports media member. But when he's done, I go, God, he's probably right. <laughs> Every time, you know, and he's been wrong and he'll point out when he's wrong, right? It's just he's so bolsterous and so confident in his stances that if you don't go and hear him own up to the mistake, then you think, oh, yeah, he got that one wrong. He got that one wrong. And he was cocky about it. He's an a-hole, right? Uh, so, uh, you know, he said all along that LaFleur wasn't a good coach. And, and man, I mean, I, I disagreed wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. And uh, it's like, man, look at the guy's record. <clears throat> and he always went back to – but he's got Aaron Rodgers. he got Devontae Adams. Like, if you watch the tape, look look who's, you know, making it happen. And I would watch the tape, and and, and I would just mutter under my breath, like, I see his point, but I ain't – no. You can't knock a guy who's got that kind of winning percentage. You can't. <clears throat> so, lo and behold, here we are. First year removed from Tay, right? Aaron Rodgers has a broken thumb. And I'm sorry, man. Uh, our coaching staff failed us. Now, was it the OC's fault? Was it LaFleur's fault? I don't know. I, I personally, you guys have heard my take on the defense. I've watched the tape all year long. Not only did I watch it and just say, hey, guys, that's not what the tape's showing. I have literally put in video form on YouTube on Chalk Talk. Here are the plays, guys. Here's what went wrong. So you could kind of draw your own conclusion, but show, hey, look, th this defender, three defenders missed a tackle. That's not on the D.C. Right now. Time out. Mike Wall yesterday on Andy Herman's podcast uh, on his YouTube page, he was talking about when you have that bad of tackling form, I can tell they do not practice that. Okay. Now, there's some limitations today from when Mike Wall played, man. That dude was a, a beast. And that was back when football was still, whoo, dangerous, really dangerous. Now that it's not dangerous today, I mean, we've seen what happened in Buffalo with the Buffalo player. Right? I mean, like, and, and thank God he's doing well. I've tried to stay away from that topic because I don't want this to turn into a dramatic field, um, you know, health podcast and what, you know, I heard a lot of podcasters kind of hit time out on their podcast and then they immediately went to, uh, well, should they change this rule? And is that safe? And how they handle this? And I don't want to get into all that. Other than a person's life is what's most important. When somebody's laying on the field, hey, look, uh, the game doesn't matter. Let's make sure that human being 
is okay for his sake, his family's sake, his children's sake, his parents' sake, whatever, right? So, um, but yeah, anyway, it's all for me, it's all about valuable opinions. That's all I'm getting at, right? So everybody's acting surprised that Goody's presser was what it was. And they're starting to get like antsy, like, oh God, he, they're, you know, it, I've, I've heard everything, you know, from they're blaming everybody else to, um, you know, really it always comes back to Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers won't take blame. You know what I'm going to do? <clears throat> I'm going to be petty enough to do this because I'm, I'm so tired of hearing people say Rodgers doesn't take blame. I'm going to put together a soundbite and a video of every time this year Rodgers knocked his own play just to prove a point. Because early in the year, if you guys remember, early in the year, what happened? Everybody was furious at Aaron Rodgers for being upset with Matt LaFleur and with the uh, his teammates. Remember that? Every time he's walking to the sidelines mad. He's walking to the sidelines mad after a play call, right? And he's getting upset because an old lineman misses assignment, right? He's getting upset that a wide receiver, uh, you know, didn't run the right route. All these things. But yet here we are at the end of the season in an eight-win year, and everything was a mess, an absolute mess. Immediately their argument is, well, he should have been there for the offseason. He was there for the offseason. Everything that was mandatory, Rodgers was there. We should be there for the uh, non-mandatory. Okay, that's your opinion. The, the team disagrees, okay? Management disagrees. Well, they're just bowing down to Rodgers. Okay, then, then I, I'm not going to sit here and argue with a wall. You're going to fit the narrative to Rodgers is a bad guy. Rodgers is washed up. Rodgers is horrible. And I just don't see that on tape. He had a down year, absolutely. I'm going to talk about the accuracy here in a minute in conjunction with the thumb injury, because I was looking at it going, was it the thumb? Was it not? Right. Um, to me, the thumb affected accuracy. Period. Case closed. You could see, you, I mean, you could see it. You go, you go back and watch his highlights before the Giants game. It's, it's, it's really night and day. He started, he started the year off with 2% higher completion percentage than his career average. Now, immediately people go, well, that's not true accuracy. Okay. So you're telling me that in a game situation, you would rather have some detailed statistics saying that he was this player is more accurate but had less completions than the player who has more completions? I'm sorry. That's a hard sell on me. I'm not choosing incompletions over some detailed database that suggests this player with less completions – was less was was more accurate than the player with more completions. That's like saying I, I would rather someone have a higher PFF grade and score less touchdowns than the than the other. That's silly. You you judge the game and results based off of the scoreboard. If if you're asking me to pick between a grade or a detailed stat over points on the board you've really taken your hate towards a player, team, organization, front office, group, whatever, to a whole nother level. Completion percentage, to me, is more important than an accuracy stat somewhere. Now, you can we can agree to disagree. That's totally cool, and I respect that. But yeah, you're just don't waste your time trying to convince me that results are less important than some detailed analytical stat that you can't even tell me who watched the tape and got that stat. 
because that's the problem with me and PFF at times. It's like, I don't even know who's watching it. <laughs> right. But again, it's a great source that you throw quotations up and go, okay, here, this is, this is what we have to work with. Okay. It's the best that we have to work with. It's a great starting point. Now go watch the tape, see if it matches it. Right. So let's do this. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and share the screen here. And we're going to get in to Goody's presser yesterday. And specifically the question about Jordan Love. Immediately, immediately when this was released, there were media members throwing up quotes. And one said he kind of alluded to these, you know, this happening. What I did was posted the video on Twitter, said, hey, you can find this at Packers.com or their YouTube page. It's free, right? And this is what Brian Gutekunst's full comments were. Let's listen to him. Right. It seemed the last two off seasons, it's if Aaron wants to come back, he'll be here. He said multiple times this year that he doesn't think it'll be just his decision. Do you guys want him as your quarterback next year? Yeah, like I said in the bye week, I think uh, you know I want all these guys back. That's that's part of that. Um, he's certainly going to take some time. You know, I me pause. <clears throat> like I said in the bye week, I want all these guys back. All these guys, meaning Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, and David Bakhtiari. Where have you heard that, guys? I have said it on this podcast all year long. Now, it may come to a point <clears throat> where that's not possible. Never say never, but never. Like Aaron Rodgers said, you know, it's got to be mutual, you know. that you The NFL is a weird, weird place. Anything can happen. But again, it was never in the cards to just tear this roster down and rebuild. Like, first of all, if you're going to rebuild this roster, what's the first step? That's my question. I think we would all agree you got to have a quarterback, right? Okay, cool. Is Jordan Love the quarterback? We don't know. Got it. So you're going to can a four-time MVP, Super Bowl uh, champion, Super Bowl MVP, a guy who uh, really it's hard to find anyone that would argue that he's the most talented. He's not the most talented quarterback to ever play the game. We're going to push that to the side. That's the most important part of a football team is the quarterback position outside of the head coach. I kind of feel like they're equal there. You can have a great quarterback and horrible coaching and not go anywhere. You can have a great head coach and a horrible quarterback and not go anywhere. That's just my opinion. Uh, you may disagree, and that's cool. But you're going to take the most important part, a guy who's been proven successful, and because he had one down year with a broken thumb, rookie receivers, offensive line carousel, and a special teams that started off absolutely horrible, which nobody wants to talk about, that we still had a punt returner and kick returner muffing kicks and not getting anything out of the return game, starting behind the eight ball every single drive. Nobody, you know, it's funny, that gets swept under the rug, the broken thumb gets swept under the rug. And it makes absolutely no sense to me. But you're going to take that piece, throw it out in the trash, get it out of here. Okay, now we got to find us a quarterback. What's the second most important piece? Left tackle. You have arguably the best left tackle in the entire National Football League. And you're going to can that too. Okay, great. So the rebuild starts with let's get rid of two of our best players, if not our two best players. And at it just so happens that, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that the two highest paid players on the roster are the two players of the elite position of quarterback and left tackle, of which most people would argue are two of the best at their positions. Let's start with just throwing them out with the trash. Guys, that's silly. That is absolutely silly. I mean, I <laughs> I, I try not to get worked up, but it's like, what are you basing that off? Well, we just got to clean this mess up. What mess? What mess are you talking about? 
We keep getting beat in the playoffs. Got it. Why did we get beat in the playoffs? Let's let's go back 10 years. Why were we getting beat in the playoffs? Special teams gaffes. Okay. Got it. What's another reason? The defense was horrible. Okay. Got it. Every year, the team changes. We seem to have buttoned special teams up if we somehow manage to bring Keyshawn Nixon back, which I think that's their first step, personally. I think you're going to see restructures take place to get close enough or – you know, you don't have to be under the cap for quite some time. I think the first step should be Keyshawn Nixon. Now, they may let him test free agency. That could get out of hand pretty quick with the results he had. But I kind of feel like that's step one. Because if you can keep that special team's success intact in the second half of the season, that's a huge step forward. <clears throat> it really is. But let's throw the the, the baby out with the bathwater. Is just silly, man. It is. And immediately, well, we can't afford them. Yes, we can. I've I've laid it out all offseason. And the only argument always comes back to he's a $50 million quarterback and the cap is a mess. Mark my words. We're going to come into training camp and the Packers will be under the freaking salary cap. It'll happen. And it'll happen without scrapping the left tackle, without scrapping a quarterback. Rodgers may retire. Um it, it'll happen without, you know, another one is Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones got a $20 million cap hit. Guys, he had his best statistical year of his entire career. What are you telling the locker room if the guy who went out there and laid it all on the freaking line, produced, had the best career of his year, uh, best year of his career, and you just cut him and throw him on the street? What's that tell the rest of the locker room? You want to talk about culture problems. I want to check your culture problems. <laughs> That's just insane because not only is Green Bay a hard sell in free agency because of the weather and you know everybody knows unless you're a football geek like me there's not much to do in Green Bay I think there's plenty to do because I absolutely love the history of football there right but it's hard enough to sell free agency and now you're going in with the mindset of yeah look at what they did to this player look at what they did to that player Look at and and now it's okay. Well, they'll still sign for the money, absolutely. Which means you're going to overpay in free agency. What has Brian Gutekunst not done? Overpaid in free agency. Look at what he did with Devondre Campbell. I'm still amazed that Devondre Campbell's on the roster for the price he is. I'm still amazed that we got Rasul. Rasul's one of my favorite players. And and some people have come on the post game show and and you know on the podcast and they disagree and and I respect that opinion but I I feel like Rasul is one of those players one of those key players for this defense. I mean the savage pick six came from Rasul breaking up a pass. Has Rasul made mistakes absolutely. I don't think Rasul should be a slot corner personally. I think you use his frame to stay on the boundary but uh um or maybe even have him play safety. You remember last year in training camp they kind of uh finagled in that a little bit. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to point that out, man. That's what Goody said. Here's, here's the rest of the comments. I think that's, you know, that's fair. Um, and as we work through this, I think, um, uh, as he takes his time, kind of makes his decision just on his playing career in general, then we'll get together and, and move. So he, he's going to make a decision on his playing career in general. Guys, this was the plan. It was a three-year commitment by the Packers. As Aaron said, a one plus a two with the option of a three, meaning it's probably just a one-year contract. I shared it once again against on Twitter uh, yesterday or the day before with a guy who was saying, you know, just throwing salary cap numbers that he's heard over and over and over about, you know, the Twitter cap gurus. And I played the audio of Andrew Brandt and Mark Rogers, uh, Russell Wilson's agent, where they both said, nobody knows what this contract is other than Aaron Rodgers, David Dunn in the front office. 
And that's the beautiful thing about the Packers is it's so tight-lipped it hasn't gotten out, right? But all you hear is 50 million, 50 million, 50 million. I, I cannot tell you how many people have been surprised when they see the cap hits only 31 million for Aaron Rodgers this year. I thought it was 50 million, yeah, because you're following the wrong people. You're following the doom and gloomers. You're following the people who have an agenda, who don't like the quarterback, who don't like the front office, who don't, you know, whatever, right? That's the issue. Well, if, if the real cap hit is this, it's just spread out. Okay, you focus on that stuff. I'm going to focus on the current salary cap like I did last year and the year before and the year before and the year before. And the year before that, when I was a doom and gloomer going, man, they're ruining the cap. And then three years later, I'm going, this still has not caught up. I've looked like an idiot claiming they've ruined the cap. It, I mean, it's like credit. It really is. People claiming that the salary cap is like it needs to be clean. We need to be this much in the surplus and this and that, you know, when the season starts so you could play for the future. And, and that's what they did in the past, guys, and it didn't get a Super Bowl, right? So now we go all in route, and pretty much everything that could have gone wrong with the Tay situation, which I put on Goody because two years ago he didn't negotiate the way he should have, but – this year, it was definitely Devontae's decision to leave. Definitely. He tried to come in at the last second. He miscalculated the, the timetable on all that stuff, and, and we had to trade him, right? Which, honestly, for the – you know, somebody posted an article earlier on Twitter, and it really hit the nail on the head. Everybody lost in the Tay trade. The Packers lost because you lose that target and that continuity with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, they missed the playoffs. Devontae Adams goes to the Vegas to Vegas Raiders, and he now he went out there to play with his college quarterback. His college quarterback most likely will not be there. He's going to be traded, and they missed the playoffs. <laughs> like everybody lost in that trade, right? So forward that way. Ryan but, has had his least productive season of his career. He had three different injuries. He turns forty next year. Why? Why would you want him back? What do you see that would make you feel that way? Aaron had the least productive. Uh, one of the least productive. Uh, years of his career, what would you, you know, basically blame that on is what he's asking. What What's responsible for that? Well, you know, certainly this year was, you know, I think uh, he was dealing with some moving pieces, uh, some injuries and oh, things like that. It wasn't a great. He was moving. He was dealing with some moving pieces. Huh. Huh. Okay. You're offensively for us as a whole. Um, but I mean, you guys saw as well. He, he still can play at a very high level. I really like the way he led us. Um I really like the way he led us, played at a really high level. I mean, it, it ain't Aaron Rodgers' high level, that's for sure. But when you watch the tape, he made some throws. I posted a highlight reel yesterday. Nobody argued that the highlights were legit. You know, the throwing across his body to uh, to Aaron Jones against Washington in double coverage, right? Dropping it in the freaking basket with that whole shot, the Lazard against the Jets. Um, you know, the the scramble play there late in the year against the Vikings. The, you know, I could go on and on and on. There, it was actually, I came away smiling going, man, he had a he had a lot better year than I thought he did. Granted, it's not a not a great Aaron Rodgers year, that's for sure. But it's right where I've been saying all year long that he's right there in the top 10 of quarterbacks. If you take him and put him in Seattle with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And what that offense did this year, could you imagine? That's the true measuring stick. It's like you can't you can't take a player, take away the top receiver in the game, have your most two most important offensive linemen come into the year, trying like heck to battle back from injuries. 
have a defense that was in turmoil early in the year, and then and and then him break his thumb and have a down year, and then all of a sudden it's <laughs> look at this guy. It's unbelievable. It's horrible. So you know, again, I think as we move forward over the next month or so, we'll you know start putting these things together and see see how that transpires. To clarify, you think it is his decision in terms of coming back if he wants to be back. We made a really big commitment to him, you know, last off season, you know. So I think uh, as we did that, it wasn't certainly for just this year. So we'll, like I said, he's going to take his time, and, and and the communication will be, you know, you know, pretty constant as we move forward. We made a big commitment to him last year, <clears throat> and it wasn't just for this year. It was a one plus a two with the option of a three. They committed to Aaron Rodgers for three years, right? With with the caveat and the understanding that Aaron may walk away after one, which is why if he walks away, the cap hit in twenty twenty three is only fifteen million. Yeah, you heard that right. We save roughly sixteen million dollars against the cap if Aaron Rodgers retires. But if you trade him, say hello to I think ninety six million in cap penalty. Why is that? Goody just said it. We made a big commitment to him last year. We and it was with the anticipation that he was going to be here for more than one year. It's that simple. Hey, Brian, uh, going into the next season, who gives you a better chance to win, him or Jordan? Well, I mean, you're talking about a four-time MVP, right? So um, we are very excited about Jordan and where he's at. There's no doubt about that. Uh Boy, that's rough. That's rough. All I've heard all week long, Aaron Rodgers is holding them hostage. They ask him, you know, do you think Jordan Love – can have success, basically. Okay, can he can he do what Aaron's doing? Can he replace Aaron Rodgers? What did Goody say? We're talking about a four-time MVP. Like, he won't even look at the reporter. He's putting his head down like... This reminds me of Belichick when they asked him after the Kansas City blowout win there on the road. Um, the New England Patriots got absolutely demolished, right? The blowout loss, I should say. And they asked Belichick... Uh, have you thought about making a quarterback change? I mean, and bench Tom Brady because Tom Brady had a horrible game. Belichick just laughed. He he laughed under his breath and couldn't even look at the reporter. That's what it looks like. Now, hip, let's 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 pause that story there. What happened after that? <clears throat> what happened when Tom Brady left the New England Patriots? I I'm a Belichick fan, but he goes straight down to a team that has legit two legit number one wide receivers. They add Gronk, and they go and win the Super Bowl, right? And what happened to the New England Patriots? New England Patriots have to start from square one, right, with a new quarterback that they draft. Actually, they signed Cam Newton thinking, here's a former MVP, let's bring him in. Here's a guy that's been proven to be successful in the league. Let's bring him in to replace Tom. And they fell flat on their face. They draft Mac Jones. He has a decent rookie year, right? They make the playoffs, get beat in the first round, and this year their offense slid backwards. Do you think for a second that if you could go back two years before Tom Brady decided to leave, that the 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 Patriots front office would have done something a little different? Because they miscalculated what was left in Tom Brady. That's what happened. When they sat down and they said that Belichick and Robert Kraft, the owner, were at odds about this decision. Belichick decided he, he's going to fall off a cliff any second now. Let's go ahead and, and cut bait now. Cut bait, and he watched Tom Brady go win a freaking Super Bowl 
right? And then make the playoffs the next year. And now he's back in the playoffs this year. If Tom Brady was still the quarterback of the New England Patriots with Bill Belichick and what he can do on defense, they probably would have won another Super Bowl, guys. But they cut bait early with him. And what are they left with? A young quarterback who can't stop screaming at his offensive coordinator. Right? And it just so happens that they implemented the same the same system that we run in Green Bay this year, and their offense slipped backwards. So there's a lot of moving parts as to why the Packers are struggling. But again, question was asked that about Jordan. He said, I, I have a lot of faith in what Jordan can do, but we're talking about a four-time MVP. They are trying not to make the same mistake the Patriots made. Now, what's the difference between the Patriots dynasty and the Packers dynasty? Here's how you answer that question. If you took Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers isn't perfect, first of all. There's been many games that I'm like, man, he lost that game. Detroit this year. Detroit on the road, Aaron Rodgers, I've said it over and over and over, although people label me as this Aaron Rodgers lover, or as they say, a bad word writer. I'll leave it at that. You ought to see the DMs this, this today. It's it's funny that the people who claim that the Rodgers lovers are just so vicious, you should read my DMs because your side of the fence ain't no better, buddy. I promise you that. It's ugly. It's ugly. I found out this morning I'm inbred. So that's kind of cool. Anyway, um, we all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and to see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. If you were to take Aaron Rodgers and put him on those Patriots teams and take Tom Brady and put him on those Packers teams, what do you think the result would have been, honestly? Come on, guys. <laughs> We've got to use our head. We've got to use our head. Do you think? What do you think the Packers record would have been this year with Tom Brady leading the Packers? Tom Brady with a broken thumb. Let's go, let's go a step further. Like, come on. Um, but Jordan's never played a 16, 17 game season. Jordan's not played stuff, 16, so, 17 games. Um, it's no different than we moved from, you know, Brett to, to Aaron, right? You know, I mean, so you just, that's a that's a hard thing to say. But at the same time, I mean, where Aaron's at, the level he's at, um, you know, he would, I think there's not many teams he wouldn't give the best chance to win. Could he um, well, you know, I asked him this after the game on Sunday, too. Um, you know, he's dropped these breadcrumbs of, you know, in Chicago, well, there's got to be mutual desire. And, He's done it a few more times. What would give him the impression that you guys don't want it back? Because if he doesn't say that, 
then you guys label him as egotistical. Because he, I, I asked him flat out if anybody has indicated that to him, and he said, no, it's just a feeling he has. Yeah, no, I, I, don't, I don't think anybody's given him. I think that's a question for him, right? now. it wouldn't be for me. Bingo. Know, I think this was a tough season. You know, this was, was not what we expected. It was not the, uh, that stretch in the middle was really hard, you know? So I think all of our players, not just Aaron, um, you know, there's different feelings as you go through that. So, again, I don't want to speak for him, but that's, that's certainly a question for him. There you go. It's a question for him. So essentially what Goody said is I don't know why he would feel that way. Um, we've not given him that that feeling. Because when you ask the question, Aaron's already two steps ahead, and he's going, okay, if I answer this and say, yeah, of course they want me back, and then I'm egotistical. So let me come from the angle of, I mean, yeah, it's got to be mutual for sure. Yeah, I mean, nothing's guaranteed in this league. It's exactly what he said. And now it's, hmm, they must be wanting to trade him. See, they're going to trade him. They're going to trade him. Guys, we got to learn how to think, man. You got to think for yourself and stop, like, challenge you to follow a few people that you normally don't follow. Your opinion would probably change a bit, you know? Um, but let's move on. So I had a guy on Twitter. We were having a great conversation. I went through and was like, man, I wonder what his numbers look like before the thumb injury. I wanted to put it to bed. Like, if, if the numbers didn't change, then I wanted to be able to say, okay, it wasn't a thumb injury, man. This might be the cliff. This might be the, and it still may be the cliff. You know, when you have a year like that, right, where your numbers are down, they don't even make the playoffs, you're beat up, your, you know, ribs were hurt, your knee was hurt, you broke your thumb, you're probably sitting at home. It's going to be a little bit harder this year than last year for Aaron to go, ah, I'm going to go give it one more run, right? That's why I say I think 60% he's going to retire. That's kind of where I'm at right now 60% retire, 40% return. But I wanted to kind of go look at the numbers and determine, okay, did the thumb actually play a role, right? And as I was doing it, <clears throat> it was like, you know, if it, if it had been 1% or 2% difference in completion percentage, I probably would have been like, ah, I don't know, you know. But here are the numbers. Week one through five, this is before the injury. And the reason I include week five, which was the Giants game, was because he hurt his thumb on the Hail Mary, so it didn't really – I mean, the hit affected the Hail Mary, obviously, but his play that entire game had nothing to do with it. So I wanted to include that. And for me, the thumb is accuracy, right? Now, I could take it a step further and go it's also decision-making because when your thumb is broke, it's going to be in your head that you can't make certain throws on the field. You're probably going to be a little bit antsy in the pocket. You're probably going to be a little more hesitant to pull the trigger. You're probably going to be a little more hesitant. I can make that throw down the seam, right? Now, if your argument is he shouldn't have been playing, they should have played uh, Jordan Love and let him heal up, I agree with you. If he's hurt and it's hurt, hurting his performance, then the coaches need to have the stones to say, look, dude, we're sitting you. But they didn't do that. So we can sit here and blame the coaching staff in the front office for not making that move to sit him and rest him and get him healthy. Absolutely. But to put that blame on Aaron is silly. Well, I bet they did, and Aaron said no. You bet they did. You don't know that. You're just forming an opinion based off your feelings towards a guy that you don't like. And that's what I'm going to try not to do on this show. I wish you guys could have seen some of the stuff I said about Aaron in the past because I was the biggest anti-Rodgers guy at the end of the McCarthy era. And it's hilarious that I've come full circle to this. Like, it's, it's, it's really – it's funny. Weeks one through five, pre-injury. 67% completion percentage. That was his completion percentage. 67%. Okay? Let me put that into perspective. 
Aaron Rodgers' career completion percentage, 65.3. So his completion percentage was two points higher weeks one through five than his entire career average. He was he was playing above average. And I said this early in the year, and immediately people went to the stats of, well, those aren't the true accuracy stats. Here are the accuracy. Okay, you're telling me you want me to pick incompletions over completions because some website says this was a more accurate throw. That's just crazy. I'm not going to do it. Week 6 through 13, post-injury, pre-bye. What does that mean? Them trying to get to the bye week so he could rest the thumb an extra week and see if they could get somewhat healthy, right? So week 6 through 13, completion percentage, 61%. 6% lower than before the injury and 4% lower than his career average, okay? So then you get past the bye. Remember they took the cast off, right? Weeks 14 through 18, 65% completion percentage. Exactly spot on with his career average. Now, if the argument is the touchdown to interception ratio, that was the issue, I completely agree. There were bad decisions made. But like JJ pointed out on Twitter, can it kind of be both? Absolutely it can be both. I completely agree with that. You have rookie receivers, right? starting at your wide receiver core. All year long, there were growing pains with that. There was the offensive line early, which, in my opinion, got Rodgers banged up. Whose fault is that, Rodgers? Because the offensive line was playing bad, right? Now, the second half of the season, they put it together. Rodgers made bad decisions. But when you take all of these moving parts and put them in, it makes sense why he had a down year. So when I come away from this and see that he was playing above his average completion percentage during the injury time, it dropped down significantly. And then after the injury healed somewhat, still, still broken. It just healed enough that he could, you know, play a little more like himself. It jumps back up to his career average guys. Those are stats. Stats do not care about your feelings. Stats do not care about your hatred toward a specific player. And like I said before, <clears throat> the number one haters of Aaron Rodgers, like, the big wigs, the big media guys who make a living off of just ugh, thriving to hate Aaron Rodgers. I challenge you, go to their Twitter page, type in their handle at the search uh, at the top of the search bar. Click on their Twitter page. There's a search bar at the top of their Twitter page. Search their tweets for Aaron Rodgers and go back and look at the dates because it is hilarious. It is like clockwork. The second they found out that he said, I'm immunized, but he actually wasn't vaccinated, was when all the hate started. I challenge you to do that, please. That and, and, and it's hilarious, too, because along the way, you see some of these people begging Aaron Rodgers to come on their podcast, begging him to come on their podcast. Of course, he didn't respond. Like, that would be like me asking Aaron Rodgers to come on my podcast. You think he's showing up? <laughs> like, come on. You serious? <laughs> so I just think it's funny, man. I want to point those numbers out. If you don't like those numbers, hey, look, you can choose to choose to take it or leave it. You know what I mean? Um, that's the stuff that matters to me. Guys, if I had looked at those numbers in weeks one through five pre-injury, it had been 61%. And then week six through 13, it had been 67% during the injury. You know what I'd be saying? Nope. The injury did not affect him at all. It didn't affect him at all, and this is the cliff. There, I, I just can't find any evidence that suggests – Yes, Rodgers cannot return to form. 
And what's funny is, like someone pointed out on Twitter earlier, we were having a conversation. He said, what's crazy is if Rodgers retires, all this arguing is for nothing. Absolutely. 100% accurate. That's what's crazy. Is like none of this matters. I just want to make the point that this was the plan all along. The plan isn't to trade Aaron Rodgers. Again, you never know what may happen. But the plan is a one plus a two with the option of a three. And everything's set to give the Packers cap relief if he retires. If he retires, here comes the cap relief. That's how they set it up. Now, if you want to argue and say it was a bad business move, okay, I can respect that. But you're you're going to tell me right now that you have a guy who's a four-time MVP, was coming off back-to-back MVPs, and your special teams was the number one. I keep hearing people say the offense lost a playoff game. The offense, yes, the offense underperformed, absolutely. But, boy, you haven't mentioned one freaking time that blocked punt for a touchdown, have you? Hmm. How convenient. So you got to tell the whole story, like Greg Cosell says. If you see it, you got to say it. If you see it, you got to say it. I've seen Rodgers' play decline this year. I'm saying it. I've said it all year long. I said it in the Detroit game. Single-handedly lost the game. And I don't think I've ever said that about a quarterback in the history of Packers. I was too young of a Packers fan when he threw the five interceptions against the Rams, right? And it's funny hearing Michael Wall talk about that the other day. But, man, you just got to – let's please, let's keep it real. As cliche as that sounds, keep it real. Tell the facts. Don't just tell one side of the story that you don't like. Now, here's the problem. Hall of Famer Kurt Warner says it's not Aaron Rodgers' fault, and he broke it down on tape all year long. He says it's not it's not Aaron Rodgers' fault. There's receivers falling down in the routes. This is earlier in the year. There's receivers not if, – if this is the play design for the concept, then, boy, that's wrong. That is really, really wrong. He said that on his tape. Hall of Famer Kurt Warner. Here recently, everybody was – it emerged again. Every time the Packers lose, they post screenshots of receivers running wide open down the field. And one specifically, boy, he caught, he caught the boot of Hall of Famer Kurt Warner. And I'm not going to name any names. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I don't want to try to cause a Twitter war or anything. It's a, it's amazing how many people that claim to be your friend, that claim to, uh, you know, they, they're quote-unquote acquaintances, boy, they jump in the mentions to try to get you to stoke a fire and start an argument with somebody on Twitter. That cracks me up. And when the only th- – I'm not going to mention his name, but I'm going to be freaking real right now. If the only time you mention me in a tweet is in a negative manner, why the hell are you following me? Why are we even acquaintances? If the only time you're going to jump in the mentions is when you try to point out something to dunk on me or be a smart aleck or try to bring up something negative. I'm not the guy, bro. I'm not that dude. Sorry. So, you know who you are. You're probably not even listening to this, but if you are, go ahead and click unfollow because I'm sick of that crap. That's called petty. Hmm. It's chicken. I want to say it, but I ain't going to do it. It's chicken crap. (laughs) I'll just leave it at that. Like literally, the only time you come around, the only time you're in the mentions is when you want to point out something you disagree with. Cracks me up, man. Cracks me up. So here's Goody's quotes on Quay, Bach, and Jonesy because that's the other big conversation, right? Um, The other big conversation is – 
you've got these contracts that are kind of looming, right? Um, the you know, first of all, let's talk about Quay, and this is from Rob Domofsky on Twitter. Um, he said Brian Gudikins said he doesn't think Quay Walker, twice ejected as a rookie, has a problem, but at the same time, Gudikins said Walker knows he can't do that. "Quote: We love Quay. That can't happen. But I was proud of the way he responded. I completely agree with that. I have no no qualms with that. Um, Quay, you know, owned up to the mistake. Some people were saying he should be cut. Some people were saying he should be charged with assault. That's the assault thing just blew me away. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was it was hilarious. Um, yeah, it's funny. I just came across that <laughs> that tweet <laughs> where another guy responded to me and said, "Hey, man, good job not." not responding to that. That's, you know, basically he was just trying to trigger you and it didn't work. So good. Love prevailed. All right. Um, the next quote, and this is what I really wanted to get into. Gudikins made it sound like two players with big roster bonuses do this off season. Um, David Bakhtiari and Aaron Jones will be back. <gasps> oh, let's all act surprised. And this isn't a shot at Rob. I'm just saying like in general, like people, all year long. There's no way that Bach will be back. There's no way Aaron Jones will be back. Now, listen, there's a chance they might. One, both may not return, but it's very slim. This was a part of the plan. And the big thing is, is Aaron Rodgers going to retire? If Aaron Rodgers retires, guys, we're in the black on salary cap, right? We're back in the black. We're out of the red if Aaron Rodgers retires. So that doesn't even matter, right? And then you just move forward with Jordan Love, which I'm totally okay with. I think that it will be an exciting season, an exciting new beginning if Rodgers retires and Jordan Love steps in. Because I've seen – it's like with, with Jordan Love, the thing that gives me the most confidence is I think the team likes him. I really do. I think they like what they've seen. And then the little bit of playing time we – granted, guy was like 20-some snaps last year. When I seen that, it was like, oh, wait a minute. All right. Now, it was a slam dunk, just an easy – slant pattern there to uh to Christian and Christian just turned on the burners and took it to the house right so you got to kind of take that with a grain of salt put that into perspective but um I kind of feel like we got something there I'm starting to lean towards I think we got something in Jordan Love and that's exciting so if Aaron retires you know and and that one report again we don't know nobody knows for sure but there was one report suggesting of how they would convert uh how they would uh readjust the contract to where it would only be so much cap hit this year. Um, 2023 would, I think, reduce it down to like $15 million in cap hit, which with the the total cap hit of $31 million would free up $16 million or leave right around $15.5 million against the cap. I think the last I saw, we some were reporting we were 12 over the cap. Some were reporting we were 15 over the cap. It's going to put us about even. You move forward with Jordan Love. You got the two young targets. You're going to continue to try to develop. You restructure some of these contracts. You add a few free agents, and you see, can Jordan Love step right into that starting role the same way that Aaron Rodgers did, maybe one or two uh, down years, and trigger everything moving forward? The problem I have is this scheme has to be adjusted. I'm not saying that Matt LaFleur can't do that. I'm not saying we should fire Matt LaFleur. I'm saying you've got to acknowledge the league has caught on to this blocking scheme. They've caught on to the way that McVay and LaFleur do things offensively. You've got to be willing to adjust. If you don't like change, you're going to like irrelevancy even more. Right? The old famous quote. So, Bakhtiari, Aaron Jones will be back. Um, it doesn't mean there won't be contract restructures. This isn't a quote. I hate when they do this, when they add in uh, specific thing, you know, things next to a quote. And it, it, when I read the tweet, it makes it sound as if Brian Gudikins said that. Brian Gudikins didn't say that. 
it, it, this is Rob Domofsky, and it's not a knock against him. It says, doesn't mean there won't be contract restructures. Brian Gutekind said, quote, the way we're doing things will probably restructure everybody. Boy, there's some people mad right now. But, again, cash over cap until the loophole is changed, if it ever is, this is the way the NFL is going to operate moving forward. I mean, you can get on board now, or you can continue to complain and act surprised when this stuff happens. Rob Domofsky said, uh, when asked if he could look Rodgers in the eye and tell him the Packers want to move on without him, Gutekunst, quote, if we were, we're not at that point. So, it's a stupid question. Like, why even ask the question? He just got through saying it's a four-time MVP. <laughs> like, come on. Again, I think Rodgers is probably going to retire. That's that's what I'm leaning towards. But if he comes back, um, it's going to be it's going to be a reload, guys. All right, get everybody back healthy. Let's try this again. You've got uh, two first rounders on defense that have one year experience. You hope they're better, right? You've got Christian Watson with a year under his belt. You got Romeo Dobbs with a year under his belt. The the glaring needs to me, and it's been all along, is tied in and safety. You got to get safety buttoned up, and you got to get a tight end. We we continue to neglect tight end. Although Mercedes Lewis graded out as a top ten tight end according to PFF last year, and and I still believe that's the case. It's just you've got to have two different types of tight ends in this in this offense. Although the pl- one of the plays of the year was down in Miami, and who made the play? Mercedes Lewis, right? But Mercedes may be walking uh, walking away from the game. He may be back. I don't know. Um, Mercedes is great at his role. But the thing that this offense is missing, and, and I asked Mike Wall this question. Actually, somebody asked me this on Twitter. I tagged Mike Wall. I said, I'm going to keep my mouth shut and let Mike Wall answer the question because he knows way more than me. And Mike said it, that basically the guy was asking schematically, you know, what kind of change do you think you're going to make? My answer would be, I would, you know, the, the NFL is very cyclical. Maybe go back uh, five to seven years ago and see what was working. You'll probably see some teams, both offensively and defensively, dip back into that bowl, right, and uh, and try to uh, take advantage of the fact that teams are thinking in a different direction right now. That might win you one or two games schematically, right? But with how your roster is built, the terminology, all that stuff, you're probably going to want to look up and go, what teams are doing well that runs a similar scheme to you? And the two teams are Cincinnati, in my opinion, Cincinnati and San Francisco, Seattle as well, but Seattle's doing a little more of a a spread look for the most part. You've got a lot of 21 personnel in San Francisco, and I haven't dug too much into Cincinnati. I just know that their points per play is off the charts. And, of course, that's Zach Taylor. Um, up there that comes from the same coaching tree. So I would dig into those two offenses and say, okay, what is it that they're doing so well? And it it sounded like what Mike Wall was hinting at is 21 and 12 personnel with a lot of pre-snap motion to force defenses to snug up. And, of course, their running game is just off the charts. The problem is our run blocking scheme, as Ryan pointed out really, really well after the Detroit game. If you guys haven't heard that, go listen to his first pod following the Detroit loss. I mean, this offense, this offensive line scheme is just you, – you're asking offensive linemen to reach points they just can't reach. And uh, I think that needs to be adjusted. So it's going to be a big self-scouting year for sure. But when you're talking about these contracts, right, with, uh, with Bakhtiari and Jones, 
what's the best way to try to determine how will they handle this? Now, I had a lot of people ask me over and over and over uh, cap over uh, cash over cap questions, right? So let's try to answer it in real time this year as we go along. All right. So what does that mean? The two biggest case studies right now currently <clears throat> are going to be Bakhtiari and Aaron Jones, right? So when you talk about uh, restructuring, who is one that we can look at, a past case study that we can look at to help us understand how this works? And as more importantly for me, the timeline. I don't really get – I don't really care too much about understanding every little in and out. I want to know what to expect structurally because that's what's going to determine which way the front office goes moving forward. So let's go back one year. One of the players that they restructured last year was Kenny Clark. Found a really cool article. This is on PackersWire.usatoday.com, okay? And it says, Packers restructure Kenny Clark's contract, create almost $11 million in salary cap space. That's what I'm talking about. The, the last four or five years, guys, every year it's we're in salary cap hill. They'll never climb out. What are we going to do? Blah, 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 right? When they were having those conversations, the Packers simply maneuvered within the salary cap and restructures, reloaded, and they went on to win back-to-back-to-back 13-win seasons. That's what happened. So if you're going to sit here and try to convince me that we can't come out and have success next year, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not doom and gloom like that. Now, does the roster got to get better? Absolutely it does. I wanted to talk about the draft class a little bit, and I'll, I'll briefly mention it as we wrap up, but I really wanted to hit on this. Kenny Clark, this is from Phil Yates last year. The date was February 23rd, 2022. Mark that down because we're looking at specific dates that are important that we need to really key in on for these restructures to take place. Uh, the Packers have created $10.8 million in 2022 cap space by restructuring the contract of nose tackle Kenny Clark per source. Green Bay converted 136 of Clark's 2022 compensation into a signing bonus and added two void years to his deal, chipping away to create some space. <clears throat> so it says the work to get under the salary cap has officially begun for the Green Bay Packers. According to Phil Yates of ESPN, the team restructured the contract. They're basically saying the same exact thing the tweet did. Um, Clark's deal was one surefire way for the Packers who entered the offseason needing to shed over $50 million in cap commitments. <laughs> Think about that. Now, look at our cap situation right now. A little bit different, right? To create immediate space. His contract was structured in the right way, meaning he had a base salary and roster bonuses to convert. So you can convert base salary and roster bonuses to free up cap room. What you do is you turn that into a signing bonus, and now that signing bonus with all that money converted can be spread out over a multitude of years. You tack on two voidable years on the backside of the contract, and now you take that $10 million that they just freed up, you spread it out over four years, therefore it becomes $2.5 million on each year. That's how you do it. I'm not saying I 100% agree with that, that way of thinking. What I'm saying is – you have to acknowledge this is the NFL today. This is the NFL. There were people when 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 free agency was created that bucked the system. They were, this is stupid. This is they're going to go out here and overpay for these quote unquote free agents. We'll just continue to build through the draft. This is silly. I'm not overpaying for that guy. Luckily, Ron Wolf and the Green Bay Packers were renegades. They go against the grain completely over what most people said quote overpay for a guy named I don't know Reggie White. And the next thing you know, four years later, they're winning a Super Bowl. Guys, 
in business or anything in life. If you want to be the best, you've got to be willing to take risks, right? You've got to be willing to take risks. The Steve Jobs quote about, you know, about being, uh, you know, renegades, rebels, right? That's the people who make the most money. The people that are successful in life take huge risks. You know, there's no books written about the guy who played it safe, right? You know, the founding of our country, General George Washington, one of the wealthiest men in the colonies. Oh, here we go. Papaw Bailey on a history kick today. One of the wealthiest men in the, in the colonies. He had no reason to lead the revolution, right? But why did he do it? Because he thought this is what's best for the country long-term, and this stamps my moment in time. I will go down in history as one of the bravest men to do what I thought was right, which was break these people away from this, the ruling iron fist of the British monarchy, right? And what did he do? If he had got caught, if we had lost the war, he would have been hung for treason. The One of the wealthiest men in the colonies would have been hung for treason. But instead, he goes down as our very first president and the hero and founding father of our country. You've got to be willing to take risks. I'm not trying to compare war to football. Please don't get me wrong. What I'm simply saying is the risk takers are the ones who uh, who really change things. You know, the misfits. That's what Steve Jobs referred to him to. I think Steve Jobs did pretty good financially, didn't he? So anyway, wanted to point that out because that that is how the restructure works. Okay. So now let's go to the current salary cap. And we're getting ready to wrap up here. Those two players, David Bakhtiari, base salary six six point seven million. Roster bonus ten point one million. Those two things can be converted to signing bonus. How much of it do you want to do? That's the question. Last year, they did $10 million with Kenny, right? So David Bakhtiari, base salary 6.7, roster bonus 10.1. Now, you can't convert all of it because you got to have at least a minimum base salary, which they did that with Amos. If I remember correctly, Adrian Amos's restructure happened on March around March 15th. So... You've got the Kenny thing taking place in February 23rd, roughly around that point. And then you have an Amos restructure mid-March. To me now, why am I mentioning this, guys? Again, if this doesn't, if this doesn't pique your interest, then man, just switch ahead to the next podcast. But there's a lot of people that really want to understand what's going on in front offices across the league. What you're doing is if you backtrack and you look at the breadcrumbs, you look at what happened in the past, you can now put together a timeline, a time frame, a blueprint if you will, on when these things take place. So the dates I would mark is mid-February, say February 15th and mid-March, March 15th. Those are kind of the two time frames that restructures may take place. It may take place before then because we've got a little bit different situation. But until Aaron makes his decision, then, you know, if Aaron makes, if, if Aaron decides to retire, here's what's cool. We don't have to be as aggressive with these restructures. Restructures will still take place but we don't have to be as aggressive, right? If he decides to come back, you've got right here roughly, I'm going to be conservative and say $5 million in salary and let's say $8 million in roster bonus. So you add those two up, you got $13 million that you could free up with David Bakhtiari, okay, this year. Okay, so let's just keep that in mind. Aaron Jones, $8.1 million in base salary, seven point four in roster bonus. Now, if you're sitting here going, we don't need to do this, we don't need to do this, okay, then you're saying we don't need to do what it takes to compete in the NFL in 2023. 
Get it. Totally understand. Respect your opinion. I disagree because the Rams did it last year, and that's how they won a Super Bowl. Oh, well, look what happened this year. Yeah, their quarterback got hurt. Their offensive scheme got figured out, and they lost the best edge rusher in the entire National Football League, one of the best. Let's say top three in Von Miller. There's a lot of other things that went into play there. But guess what they did do? They got their freaking ring. If you're telling me that we have to suffer through two or three years of down years, but we can get a ring, give me the freaking ring. Because this whole talk about how, yeah, if you get the ring, you're going to be bad for 20 years is silly. It's absolutely silly. So that's your time frame there. With Aaron Jones, 8.1 in base salary, let's just say it's $6 million, And 7.4, let's just say it's $5 million in roster bonus. So six and five is 11. There's another 11 million in simple restructures that you can do to uh, free up cap room this year. How would that work? You tack on two years on the backside. You spread it out over that, that course of time. But it's going to catch up to us. It hasn't yet. It hasn't caught up to anybody yet. It didn't catch up to the Rams, guys. Von Miller left in free agency. Matthew Stafford got in. He was injured coming into the year. They would approach that totally different if they had known that injury was going to play out the way it did. Probably when it would have went out and tried to get somebody at quarterback. Yeah, it was, was the big point to me was when the 49ers, the 49ers broke NFL history. 49ers are competing pretty good this year, aren't they? Wouldn't you say? Yeah, they carry Jimmy Garoppolo uh, contract, right, at like 20-some million dollars. He's one of the highest-paid quarterbacks in the entire National Football League, and he wasn't even starting. Didn't hurt them, did it? Here's another one, Jared Goff. Do you know? That the year, if I remember correctly, I don't want to misquote here, but I'm pretty sure this is correct. The year that the Rams won the Super Bowl, Jared Goff was still on their salary cap for over $20 million. It was something crazy like that. It worked for them. Like, it it, it may set you back two or three years at some point, but to, if you go all in, if you go maximum restructure, remember I talked about the maximum restructure number? You got a minimum restructure of $40 million you could free up for the Packers and a, and a maximum of like $70 million. If you go closer to that $70 million and just go ham, go absolute haywire and go all the way in and completely ruin your salary cap situation, you can recover in three years. That stuff does not stay on your salary cap forever. It doesn't. So I'm not suggesting the Packers should do this. I'm kind of understanding now why Goody's doing what he's doing and I'm starting to agree with it. I really am. Because in this case right here, those are the two names that come up for me. I just want to mention that. They may get restructured. They may not. They both may get cut. They may not. But just make a mental note. Write those down. Put it in your notepad on your phone, right? And just say, David Bakhtiari restructure, Aaron Jones restructure. Because right now against the cap, David Bakhtiari is $29 million, and Aaron Jones is $20 million. So I tried to undershoot on some of these figures because I want to under promise over deliver. 
But I just wanted to mention that for the date uh, purposes. So keep your, uh, you know, keep your ears tuned to uh, to the podcast and to Twitter for mid February and mid March for these restructures to be finalized. Okay, so you kind of got that checkpoint in mid February, another checkpoint mid March, and then of course before camp starts, sometimes uh, restructures can take place because I think it's. Um, let me see here. I don't want to misquote you here, but the roster bonus generally paid at the start of a league year upon making the week one roster. So the uh, the roster bonuses are paid week one. So the David Bakhtiari, the ten point one million, that may drag out till week one. The Aaron Jones seven point four may drag out to week one. But the base salary is what they're going to have to play with right now. But again, everything hinges. Everything hinges on uh, is Aaron Rodgers returning or not. And we're still a little too early in the game to determine that. So hopefully that stuff makes sense. Again, this is just me taking notes studying what's happened in the past, um, listening to what Goody says and not what haters say and trying to pick through and say, oh, my God, he – yeah, he just – I can't. I can't handle it, man. <laughs> I can't. So, hopefully, like I said, that gives you guys a little more insight. Sorry if I got too animated, but, hey, look, man, I'm not going to hold back. If somebody's going to try to – who, who claims to be a friend, who claims to, uh, you know, want to be an acquaintance, if you're going to come at me on Twitter – and try to pick and choose and try to get me to, to, to make comments to start an argument on Twitter. No, let's just meet face to face. Come on. Two grown men. Let's don't, you want to start a, a little Twitter argument? Let's meet up and have coffee. Talk about it face to face. If you don't want to do that, unfollow me and get out of the mentions. It's that simple. So just want to thank everybody for hanging out with us. I really appreciate your time. Um, it's going to get good, man. Things are starting to pick up. Um, we'll have a Rogers decision here, uh, you know, before long. I don't know. I don't, you know, they they haven't put a, a time frame on it. I, I'm darn sure not going to try to. It may drag out to the draft. Um, it may happen in the next two weeks. I don't know, um, but I know he is going to be on the McAfee show next Tuesday. So maybe we'll get a little hint or insight. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he breaks the news on McAfee show, um, meaning. You know, not this show, not Tuesday, but in the future. I could see him going to Goody and LaFleur and going, hey, here's my decision. Don't leak it out. I want to let Pat have the scoop. I could see him doing that for his buddy. Um, so that's probably how the news will break. Although, like he pointed out with some of the other things that that happened this year that got leaked out of the front office, um, he was kind of ticked off that some things got leaked out uh, because it's like, man, there's not many people that know that information. How did he get out? Uh, but that's the nature of the business, right? So um, that's kind of what I'm expecting. But again, appreciate you guys hanging out with me. Hope you guys have an uh, awesome Saturday afternoon. We got playoff football starting at four o'clock uh, Eastern, three o'clock Central. Um, you know, here's what I suggest: don't sit around and and refuse to watch playoff football or watch it all sour, man. Look at these teams. These are the teams that made the cut. What are they doing good? What are they doing bad? Take notes, man. Chart the game. Watch the game and just have your phone out. And take notes when you see something specific, maybe a certain personnel, maybe somebody comes out in a 13 personnel, you go, man, that'd be cool if Green Bay used that and hit me up on Twitter, shoot me an email, say, hey, man, what do you think about this? You know, that's the stuff that happens in these big time games. If your team's eliminated, yeah, it sucks, but it's an opportunity for us as fans, as Packer fans to learn what are the going trends right now, right? What are the Bengals doing offensively that's made them so well? It's made them a top 10 in PPP this year. Right. What can the Packers take from that? Whether it's Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love or someone else playing quarterback, what can Matt LaFleur do? Be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. Don't just sit and complain and go, I really wanted to see Jordan Love play and go, here's the roster. <laughs> what can we do to help make the team better? 
we're not the ones making the decision. But if you approach it that way, as if you're in the front office, you can understand the game and how everything works at a whole different level. And that's my goal for me, man. I've got a lot to learn, and uh, I'm not going to stop learning anytime soon. So appreciate you guys making us part of your Saturday afternoon. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go Pack Go. On the fake, Rodgers lets it fly. Has Watson. He's got it on his feet, and he's in for the touchdown. That might be the biggest catch of this young receiver's career for Christian Watson. You can see him. It's just press man. They talk about his speed, his ability to get behind the defense. It's just a matter of can he catch it. That's a great job tracking the ball. He just took a big sigh of relief. Look at his buddies greeting him on the sideline, man. That's got to feel good.